0: And I am not making healthcare decisions for you. It is your choice to use the information provided here and in any future communications with me regarding homeopathy and natural health care.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome again to Homeopathy at Home with Melissa. Uh, Melissa's here and I'm Bree joining Melissa again. Really excited about it. And today we're doing a podcast about breastfeeding and breastfeeding remedies.
0: Yes, I love it. I'm so glad you're here with me, Bree. We're just going to have a conversation. Um, And I think we'll just start with just general breastfeeding things, right? Because you and I have both breastfed. You're still breastfeeding. So what can we do? What can we talk about to encourage, especially young moms who are still breastfeeding or maybe even moms who want to breastfeed in the future? All right, before you started having children, did you think that you were going to breastfeed? Did you already know you were going to do that?
1: I actually did because my mom had four children and she breastfed all of us. Um, And for her, she said she never knew anything different. So she just did it and was always treated it very confidently. So I went into it thinking, of course I would, and never really had any hesitations or I wasn't nervous or anything, which is maybe rare. I don't know. So I feel like that contributed to the successful breastfeeding journeys that I've had, Mm -hmm. What about you? I don't think I know your breastfeeding experience.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So mine's completely opposite. So when I, so I wasn't breastfed and uh, my mom was not breastfed. So when I was going to have Chandler, isn't it weird? When I knew that I was going to have Chandler, I knew that I was going to breastfeed. I didn't do any research. I didn't think about, it was just, I'm going to, I'm going to breastfeed. And I was surrounded by women. Who didn't breastfeed. So, What do you you think
1: made you think
0: of it? You know, I think that's just the natural thing in me that I've always done. I've always hated taking medicines. I've always liked the more natural route. I feel like the Lord was just like, I think he put those, those desires in my heart, you know, to use me for now. He was, he was molding me the whole time. Right. Because and you do
1: seem to be a person comfortable with going against the grain. <laughs> yeah. So <true. laughs> maybe it's just, that's just in you too.
0: That's true because I was 23 when I gave birth to him. And um, yeah, I had no problem at all doing something different. And
1: so did you end up nursing all three of yours? And what was that like?
0: I did. I did breastfeed all three of them and I had a lot of trouble. And so trouble I know Trouble with tribune. supply? Yes. It was supply. Mm -hmm. I also had pain with cash with the third one. Um, and he's totally tongue tied, but I didn't know back then. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. Tell me about you. I just got them and
1: put them right on there right away in the hospital. And all three of my boys are tongue tied and we did not release my first, but luckily he was the tongue tie type that instead of getting really tired, he was determined. But I had very sore nipples. I remember, like, they were cracked. And I remember them, like, bleeding sometimes. And I just pushed through it because Gosh. I knew it would, like, go away. And it yeah. did not last long. Eventually, they were <laughs> probably calloused and fine. But I didn't know much about tongue ties at the time so he just nursed all the time I had him on me for the first year of his life I swear I tell people he just I wore him at all times because at any second he wanted to nurse and not now that I know that was because he was tied but he had a strong suck he was determined and so once he got a little bigger it got better as he got bigger mm-hmm. but he nursed all the time and I ended up bed sharing. So co-sleeping with him right next to me because I couldn't sleep. And I, w- I swore I was going to put him in his room. At two, week- two months old, he's going in his own bed. He's going in his own room. And little did I know, um, he ended up in bed with us. Honestly, one of the best decisions we ever made. I got sleep. He nursed right next to me. And because I just kind of went with, I just followed his cues. I fed on demand. Um, and I had done a lot of research about that, feeding him like whenever he was hungry. My supply was always really good forever. So he nursed until I got pregnant with Summit, our second. And my milk dried up when I was probably 30 weeks pregnant. So he was 20 months old, I think. And then Summit, that kid probably would have nursed forever. But he he finally kind of weaned a little bit. Um, mostly on his own. And then I went on a trip for the first time since having kids for five days, I think. And after that, he was pretty much weaned. And he was over two, maybe like 26 or 27 months. Um, And then I got pregnant right after that with this one. I remember reading something about um, the way their suck changes at a certain age. And I do think that's where a lot of moms their milk supply drastically drops off. And I, with my second, I noticed that he wasn't latching and sucking. He would stimulate my nipple enough to stimulate a letdown and he would drink it. But then around six weeks, I really would thought, I can't remember. Do you remember if it's two months or four months? It's in there somewhere.
0: When that suck changes? Yes. It's around four to five months. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: And so it goes from your body naturally making milk hormonally to now oh. it matches their suction and their need. And if you don't have that, your supply drastically drops. So with a tongue tied baby yeah, and they can't suck, it slowly goes down. And when they get to that spot where you need them to suck to create your supply, it's gone or it goes down quickly. I've seen that in a lot of my friends.
0: Yeah. So I was pumping after... Lots of daytime feedings with cash. Um, But I wasn't stressed out about it. I wasn't, I just was like, I'm just going to do this as best I can. You know, I didn't have anxiety about it. So, because of my experience with cash, well, really with all of them, because I had so much trouble with all of them, I decided I wanted to become a lactation consultant so I could help other moms because I felt like I had every problem. That there was, I had lots of plugged milk ducts, and you know, lots of pain, yeast infections, um, you know, low milk supply. My lactation consultant, the a couple of them that I worked with really closely, I just I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. But also, I couldn't have done it without La Leche League. So I started going to meetings when I was pregnant with Cash, or right after I had him. Um I did not even know about like um La Leche League before then.
1: I didn't uh, either. Been, I don't know how to day. get those out to women like how to get the resources out to women because I never knew a lot of those things and I don't feel like there's a lot of support even in the hospitals a lactation consultant comes in and I don't I didn't know the questions to ask and with my second I had a home birth and they were I mean, it was my second baby. They were much more helpful.
0: I didn't understand how important support was when I had Chandler. So back then, just like I still am now, highly independent and just really don't have any trouble being on my own, making decisions. Um, You know, when I didn't have the support with Chandler, I didn't think about it, but it hurt me and I didn't realize it. Having the support of La League with cash really helped me to be successful because I would go every, what did we meet once a month? Yeah. Every month I would go and sit with all these women that had been through all different phases of breastfeeding. And when I had a question or a problem, I could just bring it there and they would, they were so knowledgeable and experienced. And um, then I started to get experience and I could encourage the new ones that were coming in. Then I became a La Leche League leader and that was awesome.
1: You don't have to be a lactation consultant
0: to be a leader. No, anybody can be a La Leche League leader.
1: And how do you find, like for women listening, how would they find their local maybe group to go to? Yeah,
0: I would go to um, La Leche League, LLL, maybe it's i.org. But I would just Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever you do. La Leche League. True, you can Google anything these days. (laughs) And, um, and find, and then you'll be able to put your zip code in or some or state or something and find your local group for sure. And then Facebook, usually the local groups have Facebook groups, so you might be able to find them there, okay,
1: I know it can be hard to get out to get it get up the energy to go anywhere with a new baby, and then especially if you're having problems breastfeeding, yeah. so it's good to know what's worth it, okay. If I had to ask you a question, um, as a lactation consultant, when you have a new mom in the hospital, what do you consider to be the important things to go in and evaluate and check to help, help her get off to a good start?
0: So knowing, man, that's big. So when you know in your plans that you want to breastfeed, we know when you go in to the hospital. So obviously I work in a hospital. I also had all hospital births. So those of you who have these home births and these birth centers, I'm so jealous. And um, I wish that I could have done something like that. That's going to be different. But if you're giving birth in the hospital, you're going to have to be an advocate for yourself. You're going to have to be stronger. Right. Um, the culture is starting to change, but you are going to have to, or your your partner is going to have to really stand up for you and and with you and say, um, you know, we're breastfeeding, no pacifiers, no bottles, um, you know, before 24 hours old, lots of skin to skin, um, no bath until the baby's breastfeeding well. So in the hospital, we say no bath until the baby's breastfed well for, you know, three times. So some moms are like, they are eager. They can't wait to get that bath. And I go and explain to them man, all this stuff on the baby is so good for the baby's digestive system. And you don't want to, you really don't want to wash it off. And don't even think about dressing that baby.
1: Yes. All my babies have stayed in a diaper wrapped in a blanket um, for a couple weeks. And I do think maybe something to add, or maybe you were getting to this, is I always try to be really careful about anything scented. So leaving leading up to the birth and then even even still I use one brand of clean body wash and I my deodorant I honestly don't put deodorant on that often when I have a new baby, which is hard because I am extra sweaty, extra hormonal, extra yeah. gross to me. But I'm also thinking I mean, to a baby, he's like, there's my mom because she's nice and stinky probably yeah. is what he's thinking.
0: But, but but it's real and it's you.
1: Right. Yeah. So I don't put on anything um, and careful about maybe laundry detergent that you're using before you're going to the hospital or if you have a baby at home, what you're putting on their skin to interrupt that hormone mm-hmm. connection that you'll have.
0: So good. All those things. Babies shouldn't even be exposed to perfume and laundry detergents and all the, the scents and the artificial smells and all those things. It's it's not good for any of us, but especially not these new babies.
1: I was just reading about that connection between oxytocin and nursing a baby and how much that hormone plays into birth mm-hmm. and then your milk production and your milk letdown and I that does make a lot of sense. Um because I've always wondered about pumping how pumping would establish your milk supply from the beginning. Do you know anything about how long mom should wait to pump or yeah. how that plays into your supply long term? Because yeah. you might pump fine for a good few months, but like we had mentioned before, not having the baby on the breast.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the other that's just to add to the list, no pumping for at least three weeks, unless it's medically necessary that the baby get extra milk. Right. And even then, you don't have to use a breast pump, you can use hand expression. But um it so sometimes moms will come in and say, I want to pump so that my husband can feed the baby in the middle of the night while I sleep. And so then there's a little bit of education that has to happen there because your body's not made to sleep through the night when you've got a new baby. It's not, it's going to hurt your milk supply. And um, that can come later. You know, if there is um, a time later when your milk supply is established and everything's going well and you want to use a breast pump and get some bottles for your husband to feed in the middle of the night. But if you start pumping too soon, You could have an oversupply. If you start feeding bottles too soon, then, so some people are still saying nipple confusion. And that's not really what it is. It's preference. So that baby gets on the breast and they have to suck, 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 suck suck before milk really starts flowing. And then that suck slows down to some more long, strong draws And so every letdown, they're getting more milk, but then it's your letdowns come and go. And especially in the beginning, you're not having letdowns because you've got colostrum. So that baby has to suck a lot to get the colostrum. So then, if you're giving a bottle in those first few days, you put that, first of all, you usually put the bottle in the baby's mouth so they don't have to latch on. Then you turn it up and they just, it's just coming down their throat. So all they have to do is swallow. So they don't have to work. The bottles, Immediate, constant, and fast, and the breast is none of those things. So then they go back to the breast next time, and they're like, "What is this?" You know, they don't want to do That's it. a lot more work for them. It is, and it's so good for their jaw development and their their skeletal, um, all of the all of the development of their
1: the oral structure, oral development. The
0: yeah, they need that. So babies need to breastfeed for development structural. That so interesting. Yeah. I love this. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you want your husband to be helpful in the beginning, maybe give him other jobs, like get up and get me water, or maybe totally. have him make food for you, take care of you, take care of the other kids, instead of trying to help with a baby in the beginning.
0: That's right. Or even change the baby's diaper you know, take, if you want, if you, if you want to have him take the baby, change the diaper while you get situated or whatever, use the bathroom, come back, let him get the baby back. But one thing that in my breastfeeding classes, I talk to, usually the dads are with the moms and I talk directly to the dads and I'll say, the way you can support her is help her to be calm and happy. And you take care of the dishes. You take care of the laundry That's going to overall, if dishes are piling up and laundry's piling up, her mind's going to be thinking, I've got to get up from this chair that I feel like I'm glued to and go do some housework because it's driving me crazy. But those are the things you can do to help mom too.
1: Yes, I'm so thankful. Kyle is very good and helpful with new babies. Well, he's helpful when I have a new baby so that I can be with the baby. Okay, so in the beginning when dad's helping in all those ways and we're sitting here nursing, doing all the things. Um, I only had bad pain with my first one, but I see on mom Facebook groups and stuff. Moms always are telling other ones that it's normal and fine, that your nipples are going to bleed and crack and blister for the first few weeks sometimes. And I don't, I did happen to me, but I don't know that that's normal. So Tell me more
0: about that. Yeah. So they have this idea or they get this, this information that you have to toughen your nipples up, you know, just give it time. They have to toughen up and that's not, that's not true. So it's not normal to have pain. It is very common. So I think that's where people get confused that almost everyone they've ever talked to has had pain. Therefore it's normal, but it's not, it should not hurt to breastfeed ever. So it might be tender because you, you've never had such a thing, you know, happening. But what I find very often, and this is the most satisfying part of my job at the hospital is that I'll go in and they'll say, man, you know, it really hurts. There's a lot of pain. And, um, and I'll say, okay, so the first thing I always need to do is let's look at, show me what you're doing. Let's look at the position and the latch. So position, a good position facilitates a good latch. And if there's a bad position, there's going to be a bad latch and that's going to cause pain. So if we, then I go and I show, if I show them how to get in a good position, how to get a good latch, and then they're like, oh, it's never felt like this before. And I'm just so, I'm just so happy. I'm like, yes, because when it still hurts with a good position and latch, then we're thinking. Something inside the mouth is wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what kind of latch? Maybe a quick, I know this can probably be long and extensive, but let's maybe do some latch suggestions for someone who maybe struggles with supply, or maybe I don't know, maybe struggles with even latching at all. And then maybe someone with my experience of I have a lot of milk and I can have a pretty good latch usually, but they almost can't stay latched. Granted, they were tongue-tied, but they also had a hard time latching because I have big breasts and I have a lot of milk.
0: Yeah, so first of all, when you're talking about just in the beginning, um, what I always help moms with is the position. So the baby needs to be lined up in a way that the ear, shoulder, and hip are in a straight line across the baby's body. It doesn't matter if the baby's in front or on the side in the football position. So in the football position, what I very often see is the baby laying on his back with the breast resting on his chest and the baby coming up like that from underneath the breast. And that can um, cause a bad latch and pain for the mom. So even in the football position, baby's on the side and coming around from the side of the breast. So in the cross cradle position in the front, you've got the baby lined up, point your nipple up to the ceiling. So you've got your hand in the shape of a C and you just literally flip, turn it and push your thumb down above the areola. And while you're pressing up, so you're, you're turning, pointing that nipple up to the ceiling. So I'm like pinching. With my hand yeah.
1: on the bottom and your thumb on top and you're like pinching yes. to point it up.
0: Like a sandwich. Okay. I'm like, yeah. In the shape of a C. The hand yeah. in the shape of a C. Like this. So, yes. Yeah. I'm practicing. So then, you, <laughs> so then you put your nipple on the baby's nose. And that causes the baby to naturally tilt his head back, which drops that bottom jaw open further. And then you hook the baby on. So it's a hook. Rather than trying to take your nipple straight into the baby's mouth, because your target is the roof of the mouth. So if you're putting the nipple straight into the baby's mouth, it can end up pointing down or the baby has to work to get it to the position. And then it can slip in and out, which causes pain, or it can be very shallow, which causes pain. And if you point it up and hook the baby on, you're hitting the target.
1: Hitting the target should they should respond by obviously latching and doing what they need to do. So I'm going to try that because with this little guy, he's giving me a harder time. And I have heard that before the C thing, whatever, never described in detail that way. So I'm going
0: to try that. So also you need to stack pillows up to hold the weight of the baby. So that's the thing. How old is he? He's He's four months old. Yeah. So this is really more for newborns. You can still do this, but. As the baby gets into three, four, five months old, you don't have to line them up perfectly and do all that. Well,
1: I might have to reteach. So maybe this is a good, I don't know that he or I have taught him or worked with him maybe enough, especially now that maybe his tongue tie has healed a little bit more tight again. Um, I feel like I do need to coach him more often. Yeah. So maybe I'll turn that I remember my other question. This okay. kind of leads into that. Um, I wouldn't call it nipple confusion. And it does make sense what you said. But he is my first baby to take a pacifier. And I've noticed sometimes the way that he sucks a pacifier into his mouth. He is starting to suck my nipple into his mouth that same way. Oh, Almost yeah. like he doesn't want to open and let yeah. me put my nipple in. He keeps his mouth su- closed and just sucks it in. I think you that's the and it doesn't hurt me as much as it's not a good latch. And so I have right. to relatch and relatch. And he still is almost, it's almost like he forgot that he needs to open because he does use his pacifier more often and longer than he's drinking milk. So what would you recommend in that scenario for babies who have pacifiers?
0: And maybe that is the issue. Yeah. So having them latch onto the pacifier or the bottle. So you're putting that pacifier or a bottle on the nose cause make them tilt their head back and open wide. Cause they're going to go for it. You know, they're going to automatically want to go for it and they're going to open. And so make them open okay. up. So they need to work a little bit for their yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yes. That is helpful. That's actually very helpful. And I, I would think that a lot of moms, maybe that would be helpful or maybe could be an issue with their nursing that they don't realize
0: The other thing with pacifiers is early on you can miss feeding cues. So that's a reason not to give your baby a newborn. Well, you know, in the first few weeks, a pacifier, because your baby can be laying over there in the bed, um, sucking on a pacifier, hungry. So a lot of moms will say, he used me as a pacifier all night. He can't be hungry. He just finished. And I'm like, yes, he really is hungry. So, you know, in those first few days until your milk comes in, just assume the baby's always hungry, always latch them on. And when you miss those feeding cues and it gets too far out, then they're fussy and mad and then it's hard to get a good latch.
1: And maybe that can go for um, as babies grow and they cluster feed and moms start getting nervous they're not making enough milk or I know it's exhausting and frustrating when your baby wants to eat every hour. But typically that is a growth spurt and you're it's helping your body know how to either change the milk and okay, now this is another question because I know sometimes it's supply, like you need a more milk for uh-huh. sure. And then I remember hearing or reading somewhere that at some point your body doesn't make more amount. Like your baby is not drinking eight ounce bottles of breast milk, but it changes to increase in nutritional value that they need as they grow.
0: Yeah. I love that because your breast milk is constantly changing to meet your baby's needs and formula doesn't change. And so no matter how long you breastfeed, whether it's one month or two years or three years, your, your breast milk is always changing to meet your baby's needs.
1: I remember reading too that, Breastfed babies should drink between one to one and a half ounces per hour of the day. Is that mm-hmm. as they get older? I know that can change when they're tiny; they're not drinking that much. But for moms, maybe who pump in or sending bottles to daycare yeah. or leaving them home, um, oh, yeah. I've typically seen that as the rule.
0: That could be true. I have a cheat sheet at work that I look at based on their weight. So you know, it's it's a certain number of ounces per, um, based on how much they weigh. So because I use the cheat sheet, I don't have anything memorized like that, but I know that it tops, they top out at around 30 to 34 ounces at some point, which is usually around maybe five or six months.
1: Which is about that then about one to one and a half ounces per hour. And you're adding solids in there, So baby wearing, I have done a lot of baby wearing and I don't know, I didn't notice a difference in my supply necessarily, but I do know that it increases the hormones that you make, oxytocin and all of the other feel good hormones um, that can help with milk supply, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Baby wearing is so important on so many levels for moms and dads to do. And, you know, earlier we talked about skin-to-skin. So skin-to-skin with the mom can help the baby regulate her temperature. So mom's body will regulate the baby's body temperature. It can increase milk supply. Um, it can help with any stress hormones or anything um, with the baby, keep the baby calm. And help with. it helps the brain development. So you can, if you're wearing your baby... At home, you can wear the baby skin to skin.
1: And I know when you wear them in a wrap, especially to wear them up high where their heads are right by your face and you can smell them, yeah. all the time, which yes. I'm sure helps with the bonding.
0: Um, what's your favorite wrap or or thing to wear babies? Okay. I
1: love for newborns up to probably, I still wear linen. So maybe four just when they start getting too heavy. So I've had big babies around three or four months. It starts getting too heavy, but I wear them in the Solly baby. It's S O L L Y. I've tried other um, fabric wraps before, and they're either too stretchy or just too wide or not comfortable enough. So Solly baby wrap is a little bit more pricey, but I've used it for all of them. The same one. And it's really soft, the perfect amount of stretch, but it's not super hot either. Um, Awesome. And even if it gets kind of twisted up, it's so comfortable. I like an ergo or a tula that's more structured when they get a little bit bigger.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then you can use it on your back too, to go hiking or whatever. I mean, you can wear that anytime. But those are my personal favorites.
0: I used to love that. I would... Um, where my babies on, on my back while I was cleaning, cooking, whatever. And not just because I wanted to have them close to me. They loved it. Right. And when you've got that baby that wants to be close to you all the time and, or wants to be held all the time, cause some babies just do, and you have other little ones or, you know, other children, um, that you, you know, you know, you've got things you've got to do around the house. So I learned how to throw that baby on my back. So they were close to me and I could get the dishes done and I could feed the other kids, you know, and do yeah. all the things.
1: And I like Tula is wider and gets taller in the back. So for my boys, I could use that for longer when they were toddlers. I could put that on my back. Yeah. I really liked that a lot. A lot of people I know love ring slings. I did use one, but once I had more than one kid, I have like one entire arm that's out of commission with a ring sling on. Like you yeah. can't, use the one arm as well. So I've never used it as much for my other two, but I do hear people rave about them. They're really cute. Maybe that's why. Yeah. (laughs) And they don't squeeze around you. You have your nice postpartum squishiness. That's whatever. That's normal, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So breastfeeding remedies, I think. Yes is great. I would like to know some because I've, I don't know that I've had true mastitis because I have treated it with homeopathy right away, as soon as I feel really bad. Um, But I want to hear all of it, any and all suggestions that you have.
0: So I have this image that I created with the most common breastfeeding issues and the most common protocols or remedies that you could use. And that is on my website under free resources. But to begin with, I recommend that all moms who are breastfeeding use China 3C twice a day, the entire time you're nursing, because you are constantly losing fluid, right? So it'll help give you more energy. And then... You just mentioned mastitis. So for mastitis, that isn't very severe. So at the very beginning, I like to start with Phytolacca 30 and alternate that with Sulph 30 until it's cleared. Now,
1: when would you recommend starting that? Like if I'm not going to go to the doctor and be told I have mastitis, what symptoms would lead me to try that first? I've never done lacta, so that's why I'm asking.
0: Okay, so if, um, if you have clogged milk ducts, that's usually when it could turn into mastitis. So the clogged milk duct is usually, not always, a first sign. So if this is your first baby and you get one hard, painful spot in one breast and you can feel a lump in there, then... You, might, you can work on it with heat and massage to work it out. That's going to be your first step. If you start to feel run down, fatigued, um, maybe flu-like symptoms, low-grade fever, or even a little bit, even a 101 um, could come later, a red streak on that one breast, then those are more signs of mastitis. And unless it just bang hits you like out of nowhere really hard and fast, if it's just like a slow, like, huh, I think, oh, yeah, look, there's a red spot. I'm not feeling very good. Then I would go fight a lack a heap And then if it progresses and gets worse, then I like Belladonna 30 or 200 every three hours, alternating with heap sulf six until it's cleared. Now, what I want to say is like what I backing up to what I just said about if it hits you hard and fast, you wake up one morning and you've got full-blown mastitis, that's going to be your aconite. Mm. You know, aconitum is amazing for that kind of um, really fast onset. You might even do aconite and bryonia 200, aconite 200 and bryonia 200 together just to see if that will um, take care of it in the beginning.
1: Okay. I have only ever used belladonna. I never even made it to the heap ourselves. So maybe I didn't have the infection, but mine usually comes on very quickly. I will feel fine. Hmm. And I, within a couple hours, I feel like I have the flu and belladonna usually does the trick, but the last time that I felt that way, I never, I didn't try phytolaca. So maybe I will add that to my arsenal.
0: Yeah. So, Another thing that I really like to encourage everyone to do is when you find something that works, stick with it. So we always stick with the things that work and only change to other remedies if you're not finding good success. So it sounds like Belladonna works really well for you. So more breastfeeding remedies that I would like to share are Raynaud's syndrome. So I had that too. And it is painful and it's terrible. Um, When Raynaud's syndrome is when the blood flow is cut off and it can happen to fingers, toes, and nipples. So when the baby's finished breastfeeding, especially if they have a really strong suck then you take the baby off and the end of the nipple is white and really painful and the cold air hitting the nipple makes it worse so something that helps is having being ready to cover it back up so it can stay warm so it's worse for the cold and if you're having this uh very often then agaricus muscarius 200c twice a day can be very helpful, or Roostox 30 twice a day. Those are two ideas for Raynaud's syndrome. Another very common condition in breastfeeding is low milk supply. And of course, it would be very helpful to know what is causing the low milk supply. Because if it's hormones or tongue tie or um, something that we can pinpoint then we could treat that thing. But if it's general low milk supply and you just really don't know what to do or what it is, you could try lac caninum 200 twice a day. Another common condition in breastfeeding is fungal infections. So antimonium crude 200 mixed with arsenicum album six twice a day is a good choice. Or you could use Pulsatilla 200 every hour for the first day, then twice a day until it's gone. So those are just some breastfeeding remedy ideas. So let me dig just a little bit deeper into milk supply since that's such a common issue. So we already mentioned caninum, which will address milk flow and issues that switch from side to side. Calcarea carbonica is one to use when breasts are hot and swollen but pale in color. The patient will complain of being chilly and a tendency to perspire. In fact, they can perspire even when they're cold. There may be production of excess watery milk or deficiency of milk. So the problem is the supply, whether it's too much or too little. The milk may also disagree with the baby. The woman is worse from exertion or a cold room and has a strong craving for eggs and a strong desire for dairy, including cheese. Warmth makes her feel better. Pulsatilla is another one to consider when the breast milk is watery, suppressed, or blocked completely, or when it flows profusely. So, again, the issue is the flow of the milk. It's not flowing at all or it's flowing profusely. So that's your fast letdown. The flow may also be quite variable. The patient tends to have symptoms that change often. They also tend to be yielding in nature and easily brought to tears with a warm personality. They can cry while nursing the baby. Patient is worse in a warm room and much better in open air. And she is likely thirstless, so not thirsty. Racinus communis can help increase milk secretion. Make sure to use it in the right potency because different potencies of racinus act differently in the body. So 6C improves milk secretions while 30C reduces milk supply and is used for weaning. Urtica urens is useful when there is no breast milk at all and there does not seem to be a cause for the problem. Breast can be swollen with stinging pains like the sting of a bee. The breasts may also itch. The patient can also experience a stinging or itching rash and there's an aggravation from cold and cold bathing. So remember, when I'm reading those descriptions of these remedies, you don't have to have all of the things that are listed. Sometimes you'll just have a few of the things, and when you're thinking about supply, you take those descriptions and you get them into your notes, like I always suggest, and then you just decide which one sounds most like what you're going through, which one fits the best. There's rarely, if ever, a perfect fit where the person has all the things in the picture. So we're not looking for an exact match. We're looking for the one that fits the best. So the last thing I would like to just share with you is that I do teach breastfeeding classes. So if you're interested in a breastfeeding class for you and your friends, or you and your husband, um, or you and your support person, then go to my website, com and send me a message through there. Or just email me, melissa at com, And then I can keep you posted about when I'm going to open registration again for a new class. So with that, I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast all about breastfeeding. I hope that you took good notes and get these breastfeeding remedies into your notes section. I encourage you to take a look at some of my classes on my website because I go into great detail in my classes on how to use the remedies, how to choose potency and frequency when there is no protocol, and how to treat acute and chronic conditions in your family.